what is good everybody welcome back to the podcast today it's just two of us got myself aaron and uh join with me here is joey how you doing i'm doing pretty good so just to uh give a quick episode overview of what we're looking at as we saw with aaron and trent giving a weekly preview heading into week one aaron and i decided that on the back end a week one review should be in order so hopefully those are two things that we can start expecting moving forward yeah absolutely hoping to make this a uh, a regular thing here just to kind of you know increase the uh, engagement in the league you know last year i think we did the first couple weeks as a preview and then it just kind of dropped off so hopefully now that work schedules are a little easier to work around we can you know make this a regular thing going forward all right so right away we're going to jump into our first matchup here between the clams and the magicians and we're going to start just breaking down each side and then giving a little bit of an expectation of moving forward and jumping right into the next one so looking at the clams i think it's first you need to make note of this roster probably having one of the best one-two punches at quarterback i feel like this could be a really nice strength moving forward uh, as you saw between Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, I believe I know Josh Allen was the QB three, and then I believe Murray was either the five or six this week. I'm not quite sure, but either way, having two quarterbacks that can consistently finish in that top seven to eight range should be a real nice strength moving forward. Uh, looking at your running backs, Joey. Uh, I mean, admittedly, this, as you know, is one of the weak spots on your uh, roster, and I don't think you did a terrible job in terms of picking the right guys this week. You know, Gordon. Had an okay day. Uh, Montgomery was all right. In hindsight, maybe going Cream Hunt would have been the move, or even DeAndre Swift because he did have that touchdown, but his usage didn't really support starting him. But it's not the end of the world. Um, and then, you know, at receiver, just you had a great week out of Juju Smith Schuster and a little bit disappointing from the rest of your starters. Again, kind of stinks having Darius Slayton's two touchdowns and a 100 yard game on the bench, but. We didn't really expect the Pittsburgh defense to uh, be giving up big plays like that this year, or especially in week one. So I don't really fault you there for starting him. Yeah, no, looking, I was really hoping with the carry on start that he would actually have the game that Peterson had, especially with Peterson only being there for one week. I figured most of the game script would go carry on's way. And so I had the right idea, just the wrong guy, unfortunately. And then with the receivers, I actually feel really positive coming out of this week. Especially looking at the depth, like you mentioned on my bench, having Slayton drop 25 against a really good defense, it seemed really nice to see the Giants taking those shots down the field. Uh, LaVisca Chenault getting involved early, especially with Minshew, who looked really good. Um, I think that was a really nice benefit. And then the most exciting thing I saw personally was the involvement from Paris Campbell. Um, That was a pick that I felt very uneasy about for the past year taking him, I believe, at what, the 109 last year in rookie draft? Somewhere around that range. Really worried how that's going to pan out, but obviously Rivers loves his checkdowns and his slot receivers, so hopefully that works out really well moving forward. And then, like you said with Kareem Hunt, that could have been an, another uh, startable option. Just in hindsight, he just had a really good game script, and I don't know if that's going to be something to expect from Cleveland uh, being down uh, in a lot of games, obviously they're not going to be down by that much, but we really all have to keep monitoring how much work Kareem Hunt's getting, especially in the passing game compared to Chubb. 
and then looking right at the magicians we're gonna go straight into it i think you got to look right away again start right at the top with the quarterbacks this is something i've been contemplating a lot lately and myself included and a majority of fantasy content creators i guess you could say had Dak Prescott in their top five, top six quarterbacks in Dynasty heading into this season. And you would think that's deservingly so, especially with the weapons around him. And I think having a quarterback ranked that high with that being your main premise could lead to a little bit of overhype. It's going to be a little scary, especially you saw Kellen Moore have a lot of grasp on this offensive play calling. And he's actually going to be, I believe, more... Um, leaning on the passing game as opposed to McCarthy, who makes it a point to involve the running backs. And so if this was the game you saw from Dak in an optimal situation, I'm not confident that he's going to be able to put up the top five or six numbers consistently. Obviously, he's still going to be a good top 12 quarterback, but I don't know. Maybe it's an overreaction, but it might be time to dial down the hype just a tad. I think that's going to be a a common thing we talk about here is uh, week one overreactions you know especially with no preseason this is the first you know game action for a lot of players especially you know teams that are having new head coaches and i'm inclined to believe that you know with that star-studded you know receiving core as well as zeke elliott i think he'll be all right long term uh just going to be a matter of seeing how long it takes for Dak to get in getting gear looking at devin's running backs um not much of anything to complain about I mean, I suppose you can complain about Gibson only getting 5.4 points, but when your other three running backs score above 20 points and one of them scoring 34, you know, I don't really think there's any room to complain about what was done there. I don't think I would expect Peyton Barber long-term to be, you know, getting two touchdowns a week. And then at receiver, obviously Devin was dealing with a lot of injuries this week. You know, Kenny Galladay and Corlin Sutton were both out for their their respective teams, and so Devin was forced into starting Kendrick Bourne, who was stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, frankly looking terrible uh, this week outside of that one dump off to Raheem Mostert, and so he only put up two receptions for 34 yards, but those 4.4 points were enough, I suppose. Yeah, and I'm going to look specifically right at three players. Um, the first is going to be Chris Carson. I think Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs, you're going to see these ceilings being a consistent but with chris carson there's just two really things that throw up a red flag and the first is going to be his involvement in the receiving game getting those six catches and two touchdowns in the air is just not something you come to expect from chris carson and clearly he showed that he can do it in this game alone but i don't think that could be something you expect to see moving forward again this could be something that was just potentially game scripted with uh, that game just being a shootout in general, uh, especially from the passing attack that Atlanta was coming at them with. And then looking at his goal line work, that really wasn't even where he was getting playtime. He wasn't getting the snaps. He wasn't getting the touches. And for someone that's notorious for being a downfield runner in between the tackles, not getting that goal line work is a little scary for his um, consistency looking long-term. So that's someone that I think we shouldn't overhype right away. And then looking at someone who I think I personally and a lot of people underhyped heading into the season was Stephon Diggs. He really showed a wide receiver one performance and target demand in the game. And granted, it was against the Jets who stink. 
I think him showing his dominance over the receiving core in terms of respect, not only his quarterback needs to show him, but the defense as well. I think that was a good sign, a really good sign. And then the last person is going to be looking at his tight end, Noah Fant. That was a fantastic game. He looked really good. He looked involved a lot. And that's something that, again, I just want to be a little hesitant on in terms of consistency moving forward, especially with the injuries we saw to Denver's wide receiving core. Once that wide receiving core is healthy, I'm going to be really curious to see how much fans still involved. And looking at Devin's defensive side of the ball real quick, this is somewhere where I think this team could be a little vulnerable, especially now with Van Der Esch going down. I don't see this this roster having a lot of above average overall defensive performances from any of the positions, really. I mean, outside of Chris Jones now and maybe Jabril Peppers, if he has just a really nice day, I don't see big performances coming. So this lineup outside of Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs and Stefan Diggs could be a little worrisome in terms of consistency. Yeah. Um, potentially a long-term issue for, for Devin, but for, you know, week one, he came in with the third highest score for the week. And so I'd definitely be uh, ecstatic if I was Devin. Heck yeah. Nice way to start two and oh. Absolutely. So moving into our second matchup for the week, we had the Grovers going and facing the Wendigos. And I think that most people would have expected the Grovers to win this one rather comfortably, but it was actually the Wendigos putting up a massive 190.38, coming away with the second highest score for the week and going to a no to start the year. So looking at the Wendigos, um, it's you know great get a four touchdown performance out of your quarterback, um, no matter how he does it. Russell Wilson put up 35 points, which is pretty surprising because usually Russell Wilson's a guy who kind of struggles to start the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, seeing Wilson jump out to this quick start should feel really good for Nick. Of course, everybody's loving that football's back, and obviously all of us are in that category as well. There's going to be a lot of talk surrounding Wilson, potentially showing that this is going to be his MVP year. And honestly, if the game script keeps going this way, and Carroll keeps letting him loose, I don't see why anyone would ever question that. So this could be a really nice year for Russell Wilson if he continues. And then looking at his running backs, Sony Michelle just really didn't look efficient yesterday or on Sunday. If it wasn't for that touchdown, he would have put up a really, a really uneventful performance. And so I feel like moving forward, Nick's going to be actually really, really reliant on um, predicting who is going to be the hot hand in either Miami or San Fran to pair with James Robinson, who could potentially even see less touches once Armstead comes back. So this running back core is going to be really on Nick's shoulders in terms of start sit to maximize points. And that could be a really scary situation moving forward. No, it is absolutely a um, shaky situation there. Uh, His wide receivers, though, on the other hand, not so much to worry about, at least uh, in week one, Adam Thielen blew up, you know, scoring 27 points on a six for 110 and two touchdown day. Um, and DJ Chark uh, was kind of limited by the low passing volume of the Jacksonville Jaguars as they only attempted 20 passes. But he did come down with a touchdown, which, you know, saves his fantasy day. And then AJ Green actually, um, much to my surprise, 
looked pretty good when he was on the field. I think he was only there for about 60% of the snaps, but he did get nine targets, which is more than John Ross, Tyler Boyd, or CJ Uzoma got. So I think that's at least week one. That's a, an interesting note to take, you know, looking forward to the rest of the year. Yeah, I agreed. I really liked um, the trio between Shark Green and Thielen. Um, his other two, especially Kirk, were a little disappointing. Um, Jones had the spotlight on him with Galladay out, and no nobody was expecting Hopkins to get the volume he was getting. But I'm actually really excited for um, two players that he didn't start for his wide receiving core. Jalen Rager, when he was in there, he looked like what the Eagles need. Like He was able to provide that electri- electrifying spark that Deshaun Jackson traditionally would give the offense. And so in a scenario where the Eagles O-line can actually hold up, which won't be too often, but when Wentz has enough time to throw deep, he's going to be a, a home run, essentially. So that could be a really nice spot start when needed. And then on his IR, Debo Samuel, once he comes back, this is just going to be a, a really nice five to six wide receiver core. Um, he should feel really confident in that to balance off with his running backs. And so another position that Nick should feel really comfortable with is his tight ends. Um, looking at a starter, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry showed that he's going to have a really nice season with Tyrod at quarterback. And you can't really say that with a lot of Tyrod's options. Just Hunter Henry lives in those short to intermediate routes. And that's where Tyrod's going to check it down, throw it in the middle of the field to work for his methodical drives. That's just what he's done historically. And so Hunter Henry should put up a really nice and consistent season, which is what you really want out of your tight end. And then even on his bench, you had Jared Cook and you had uh, Jonu Smith looking really good this past week. And moving forward with Michael Thomas's injury going to hold him out a few weeks, Jared Cooks could see a lot of uh, a lot of targets as well. So having a triple-headed monster, you could potentially say at tight end, where he could start any of them and all three potentially have above-average weeks or at least average. This should be really nice moving forward. And if, like I said, if Nick's able to start James Robinson and then one other running back and hit correctly and potentially start multiple tight ends in that flex spot, he could have a pretty nice roster moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, if Nick's team can surprise some people this year because I think a lot of us, including himself, wasn't you know expecting a whole lot this year, You know, especially after he uh, moved Jonathan Taylor just before kickoff this week. Uh, and then just a real quick touch on his defense. Um, he got pretty solid production out of most of his players. Uh, Ronnie Harrison didn't do anything, but... His only other defensive back option was Darnell Savage, who had an okay game. And then Max Crosby kind of left a lot to be desired, but so did his bench. And so there's not much to uh, complain about on defense for Nick. Moving on to Dylan, the Grovers, put up a good, you know, respectable 177 points, which uh, was good enough for him to squeak into that sixth spot for the point scored for the week, getting him a, a nice little W. Matt Stafford, he... uh. He was a little nervous about starting Aaron Rodgers, and that proved to be the difference maker this week as simply starting Aaron Rodgers this week would have secured Dylan the win. Um, I guess he was scared of that Minnesota Viking defense, but that defense looked pretty horrible this week, uh, giving up bomb after bomb to uh, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Valdez Scantling, and uh, Stafford. Uh, I mean, he was okay. 
he uh, he threw for nearly 300 yards and had a touchdown and a pick. But I think that's definitely just the big uh, the big talking point with the Grovers here. Yeah, I agree. And another big talking point is looking at Marlon Mack specifically because of his injury. Uh, a running back core that was already very top heavy in terms of lacking depth with just Saquon and Zeke. Now you don't even have that third option with Mack and you're going to look at either, well, really your only other option is Tevin Coleman. And I don't know how you feel good about that. So it's going to be real thin moving forward, which is especially this season, but in any season, having that lack of depth right away, it's scary. And so that could hurt. But if his receivers continue to put up these consistent performances, that could help. Um, Looking at Amari Cooper, he was really involved, which was really nice. Putting up 13 points without a touchdown is really nice. Um, Then looking at Jamison Crowder, this was a guy who a lot of people were, some were really hot on him and some were really cold, um, especially because it's just the Jets offense and it's hard to be excited about any piece in that. But Crowder really proved his uh, believers right this week, coming in with over 100 yards and a touchdown. And don't forget that extra tackle point he got. But I think with his receivers, um, especially once Mike Evans comes back and once Devontae Parker isn't facing up against uh, Gilmore, his receivers should have the consistency and the ceiling to potentially help the lack of depth at running back. So as long as Dylan moving forward can find a potential RB3 just to start when Zeke or Barkley get on a bye, he could be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a big story for this team in the next coming weeks is what does he do, if anything, to uh, you know amend that gap in his running back uh, position. Uh, as of today, we a couple hours ago did make a trade where he sent me Matthew Stafford in exchange for a second round pick. and. Personally, I'm kind of expecting him to take that second and try to acquire somebody running back. Uh, I have no idea who, but that was just my kind of bold prediction for uh, a couple weeks' time. Darren Waller had a uh, you know, respectable game for tight end. Can't really complain about that. And then on the defensive side, huge game for Jamal Adams. He was all over the field in that Seahawks debut. Looks like he's going to be a matchup nightmare for anyone who has to face him. And Blake Martinez did what Blake Martinez typically does, which is you know, rack up tackles, but not be particularly good at football. And then Nate Gary kind of had a uh, sneaky surprising game as he put up nine and a half points with five tackles and five assisted tackles. So uh, definitely maybe, you know, an underrated piece, you know, kind of diamond in the rough that Dylan found there. Yeah, Dylan, like you said, should feel really nice about finding that diamond in the rough because if Gary ever drops that production, he's going to be really hurting at linebacker. If you look at his um, uh, point output, throughout his linebacking core outside of um, Martinez and Littleton, there really wasn't much at all. So again, kind of like his running backs, that depth is looking really poor at the moment. So like you said, maybe he could get uh, the RB three that he's looking for with that second round, and hopefully he can find a a linebacker maybe through the waivers or maybe in a potential trade as well. But moving forward... This is going to be a roster that needs to be very proactive. And for someone like Dylan, who clearly can find the gems like Gary, it shouldn't be too bad. 
All right, heading into the next matchup between the Duckies and the Retrievers, where we saw the Retrievers win 176 to 150, just missing out on that uh, win from the point total. So he did get the one-on-one week, but overall, I think the Retrievers should be very happy, uh, specifically with his quarterbacks. I'm just going to be a quarterback truther this episode, apparently, which is not what I like to be. But anyway, Big Ben's back. He looked nervous to start the game, and that's what's going to happen after a year out. But overall, he looked really dialed in and still was able to be Big Ben in the pocket. And along with Gardner Minshew looking very accurate and very good despite the lack of volume, he should feel really comfortable at quarterback. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I actually just want to real quick talk about on his team. I thought it was a very interesting play. Um, I don't think last year too many teams utilized the strategy of starting two tight ends, but Right out the gate in week one, we didn't know what Hunter was going to do with that second flex, and he ended up starting Chris Herndon, who was actually involved in that uh, passing attack for the Jets, uh, though he did lose a fumble, which kind of hurts. Maybe that's a, a positive sign that he was used so heavily week one, and then Travis Kelsey looked very dominant in that first half and then kind of tapered off a little bit, though he did get that touchdown on Thursday night. And then you're starting Christian McCaffrey. Um, typically, there's no scenario where that goes wrong. And yeah, uh, David Johnson actually looked really good against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be interesting to see if that's a re- reoccurring uh, instance or if this was just, you know, a bit of a good start against a horrible matchup in the Kansas City Chiefs. I agree. And then just real quickly, I want to touch on actually his bench receivers, um, three specific or four specifically being Judy Miller. Rugs and MVS. Judy looked really good watching that game. He his footwork, his route running, his release, everything he was hyped up to be, he was. And clearly he was nervous. A guy that was probably the most, if not the probably one of the most sure-handed receivers in the draft, with I believe he had two, if not three drops. But you're not going to see that consistently throughout the weeks. But he just looked really good. So it'll be really nice to see what he can do moving forward. And then Anthony Miller definitely capitalized on the opportunities he saw, um, which was really nice for a lot of Anthony Miller truthers. I know you used to be one yourself, Aaron. I don't know if you still are. Still am. I figured, but that could be a really nice uh, piece moving forward. And then going to Henry Ruggs, this was such a nice pick for the Raiders. Again, similar to uh, Dylan Rager, Ruggs just gives this Raiders offense what it needs in that a big play threat, whether that be short screen plays and he's able to get that rack or just a deep ball down the sideline. He's just electrifying and looked really good despite not having a lot of volume. And then one player that probably stands out to a lot of people is MVS with the nearly hundred yards and touchdown. I don't, this is another person where I think could potentially get some unwarranted hype just because of his uh, week one numbers. But really, you got to look at his involvement. He only saw, I believe I looked at it earlier, it was like 53% of snaps. I could be wrong. But compared to Alan Lazard, who was up in the 90th percentile in terms of uh, snaps that he was on the field. So Lazard is clearly the wide receiver, too, for Green Bay. And MVS should not get the hype despite having a good week. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, interesting pieces on that bench at receiver for the receivers going forward. It'll be interesting to see if Miller and Valdez Scantling play up to that one performance or if this is just a bit of a uh, you know one-off appearance for him. 
Uh, last thing to quickly touch on, uh, we had no idea what the Rams were going to do with their running back situation this week, and Hunter started Cam Akers, and it unfortunately did not work out, though he did have 14 carries, which was uh, which was good to see, but Malcolm Brown looked pretty impressive and had those two goal-line touchdowns, so something tells me that Malcolm Brown will be entering the starting lineup for this team next week. And then to just quickly touch on defense, all around solid performances. Uh, unfortunately, Adoree Jackson was a late scratch and actually was a late addition to injured reserve. And you can't pick up players in this league on Sundays or Mondays. So he was just kind of left with a big goose egg there. And then his defensive line kind of let him down a little bit. But he did pick up Chase Winovich in free agency and he did put up a solid six points. It'll be interesting to see if he's you know, kind of taking a step forward in his second year with the Patriots. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Malcolm Brown. You can see getting the start next week and someone who I'm not confident that is going to get the start next week moving on to the Duckies is Leonard Fournette. I'm going to jump right into it. This was, there's a lot of polarizing opinions on Leonard Fournette, regardless whether it was Jacksonville Fournette or uh, Tampa Bay Fournette. And we saw with Adrian Peterson that despite a lot of um, practice with the team, Peterson was involved a lot, and this was the exact opposite for Fournette. And that, again, could create even more polarizing opinions, whether he's going to take that starting spot from Rojo or not. And honestly, what Fournette got, he just wasn't efficient. And that's been the story for his whole career, essentially. And so I'm really scared about Fournette moving forward. That could really hurt the deal that Dan made. But outside of that, Kamara looked great now that he's healthy. And then Eckler put up a pretty respectable performance on the ground, despite not getting a lot of receiving work. And he didn't get a touchdown. So even the nine points is pretty respectable. You know, one interesting thing to note about Alvin Kamara's performance is that even though he did put up, you know, a really good 21 points, he was only held to uh, 16 yards on 12 attempts on the ground. And Latavius Murray got 15 carries and also didn't do a whole lot with it, just getting 48 yards. So that that Buccaneers front seven definitely looks pretty intimidating to start the year, which makes sense with uh, Devin White and Levante David manning the middle, but might be a bit of a uh, you know a difficult matchup that we didn't see coming into the year. Looking at Dan's receivers, um, nobody had a particularly great performance. They all caught a few balls, no touchdowns, not much to talk about there. And his bench didn't do much either. Actually, the only one to record any stat was Darnell Mooney, of all people, with a, a three for 38 stat line. So not much he could have done there. And then Austin Hooper had a bit of a disappointing season opener with uh, just two catches for 15 yards. Yeah, overall for this offense outside of Kamara, there wasn't a much, a lot positive to say. Um, but one guy I want to talk about uh, on his bench again is Benny Snell. Watching that Monday night game, he outclassed James Conner so much. Um, when Conner was in the game, regardless whether they were running inside or outside, it was mostly inside with Conner, but he just wasn't able to generate anything, it felt like. And then watching Snell b bust off 8 yards, 10 yards, 6, 12, it was just one after the other. It was actually really nice to see him. And if Pittsburgh continues to ride the hot hand like that, this could be a really nice potential starter for Dan moving forward. But that being the last offense, offensive player I want to talk about, we knew that the Duckies have probably 
it is the best defensive line in the league. Overall, I thought his defense performed really well at all three positions. And that's something that based on the players and the performances, I I don't see going away. Again, this is going to be a very consistent defensive performance. But uh, you saw with Buda Baker and Joey Bosa, this has a really high ceiling as well. So this could be a team that is carried by their defense in terms of close or when he's in a close matchup, at least. I just want to say that I'm absolutely surprised that Joey Bosa didn't have, you know, 20 plus points. Uh, I was actually watching that game uh, exclusively uh, and Joey Bosa just absolutely fathered Bobby Hart. Uh, I'm frankly surprised that the team has not elected to cut him yet. Just literally every single play, Joey Bosa just blew past him, whether it was power or finesse, it didn't matter, which does concern Joe Burrow long term. But but yeah, I agree on the defense. Um, he did leave Miles Jack on the bench, which was 13 and a half points, which you know, would have gotten him closer. Still wouldn't have been enough win, but maybe that's a start-sit decision he'll have to make for next week. Moving along into our fourth matchup of the week, we had the Omaha Hawks and the Atlanta Sharks. I don't think anyone was expecting this, but you know maybe we should have, as last year, Ryan got off to a ridiculously hot start, and he did that again this year, uh, opening up with 212 points, uh, while Jabir came up with 148. That coaching differential, um, I got to be honest, I think I've been underselling the importance of having a good coach in this league as John Harbaugh gave 15 points for Ryan's team to open the year. And then Pat Mahomes doing what Pat Mahomes does. Um, He looked pretty electric on Thursday night, and they just didn't need to force the issue with him. But definitely surprised at how well this team did to open up the year. Yeah, like you said, um, this is very similar to how the Hawks started out last year. And I just, I'm baffled, to be honest with you. It just, I don't know how consistent this will be just because I feel like a lot of his points were so touchdown reliant looking at uh, Mostert. He had that huge uh, catch off the screen to get him the touchdown and a majority for the four catches and nearly a hundred yards. I don't know if he, I doubt he can do that every week. John Brown looked really good. I love John Brown, which is why I took him last year, but again, that was against the jets. So with the, all the Buffalo receivers, I need to see some more consistency against the better teams. Ridley, we know, is an absolute stud. The only problem is he did have the two receiving touchdowns compared to Julio's none. So I want to see those touchdowns spread out more and see if Calvin can continue to put up those points, but I'm pretty confident he will. Sanders is very interesting, especially with the Michael Thomas injury. I'm I'm still confident Jared Cook is going to be the main beneficiary, but Sanders could see a lot more, uh, especially red zone targets. And then Sammy Watkins, I think the most important thing for him was how much more involved he was compared to McCall Hardman. I felt like last year it was one or the other. And again, it started out just that way this year. It was Sammy Watkins day for sure. And Hardman really couldn't get involved at all. So this could just be a really high ceiling week for Ryan just because of the touchdown reliance. But the dude put up the most points. Like you're going to take that every single week and be happy about it. Don't think there's much to complain about here. Um, maybe we need to stop disrespecting the Hawks like we have been. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, kind of stumbles into us every week starter role now. But but hey, someone you know has to benefit from Michael Thomas getting injured because because uh, I'm sure not. 
Now, I did just need on that last matchup, you know, talk about the rarity of starting two tight ends, and uh, actually both teams in this matchup did so. George Kittle, unfortunately, missed a, a decent amount of time with a uh, with an injury. I can't remember exactly what was injured, but he was out for a little bit. Still, he still put up a decent uh, performance, though not, you know, a typical performance for George Kittle. And then that whole Bucks offense looked horrible, um, so it'll be interesting to see if Gronkowski can improve on his 2.1 performance uh, this week. And then on the defensive side of the ball, um, as he reminded us, uh, he did not realize that AJ Epinesa was inactive uh, this week. It didn't really matter. I mean, he could have started Matt Ioannidis, who would have gotten him 8.5 points. But again, he already scored the most points in the league. And then just the rest of his defense, uh, a little bit of a disappointing game from uh, Tremaine Edmonds. And Kenny Clark didn't do a whole lot, but... I mean, again, Patrick Queen just looked like an absolute baller. Uh, week one, that force fumble, uh, I believe it was on Nick Chubb, was very disappointing to watch as well. And yeah, just a all-around dominant performance by the Hawks, just like last year. Yep, very similar. I just want to see the consistency. I think this team's going to rely heavily on their linebackers from week to week. And again, that could be his strength in every single matchup, with Tremaine Edmonds being a stud who even had a done week this week. Queen looked amazing, and Smith is going to put up very consistent performances. So moving right on to the Sharks, I think we got to start at the top. I just I had to laugh when I saw that he started Brian Flores over Andy Reid, and I know that Reid only put up nine points, but realistically that was an eleven point swing. And jumping right as quarterback again, like you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, that offensive line for Cincinnati just looked bad, and I pity any quarterback, let alone a rookie, be having to be behind it. Like Joe Burrow having to attempt 36 passes and only getting 193 yards, that's scary. But similar to someone like Josh Allen, his rushing numbers really propelled his performance, especially the touchdown. So that really saved his day. But moving forward, I'm really scared about Burrow. But that leads me into this talk about his trade he made for Danny Dimes. That was a beautiful trade. Absolutely beautiful for what he needed. And I I think it was a win-win for both teams, which is very nice to see in the league. But Daniel Jones looked really good watching the game outside of his interceptions, which obviously turnovers has been his worry, but they're mostly fumbles last year, which he looked really good covering the ball. I think adding him could be really nice, and I foresee him starting in a lot of the matchups moving forward. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, discount Daniel Jones. Uh, going to be interesting to see who he elects to start next week. But moving into the running back position, which uh, everyone on the power rankings pod seemed to uh, dog Jabir for, actually put up some respectable points. Now, now, granted, a lot of that has to do with Marlon Mack going down with a torn Achilles and is going to be out for the year, which left a lot more touches and opportunities for Naeem Hines. But even before Matt got hurt, Hines was getting involved. I think he was on the uh, the goal line rushes early on in the game. And it's going to be very interesting to see if Naeem Hines continues with this you know high reception floor. You know, he had eight catches and a touchdown this week. Um gonna be very interesting to see. You know, that might be the best pickup off of uh the offseason free agency this year is that pickup of Naeem Hines. And then Zach Moss looked pretty bad, but so did Devin Singletary, so not too much to take away from that. And then I was a little surprised that J.K. Dobbins wasn't more involved, given how much the Ravens won by. 
but he did pick up two touchdowns in you know that blowout victory. And so in terms of fantasy production, Dobbins had a solid day. Yeah, I'm gonna looking right at Dobbins. That's someone where I don't know how to feel. Um, actually, after this week, obviously he had a very nice um, fantasy production day, and he got those two touchdowns. But efficiency wise, he only had seven carries for 22 yards, which is a little scary. I feel like looking at Mark Ingram last year, he was much more efficient usually, and so I don't know in terms of if they're in a more competitive game, how many touches he's actually going to get, even though I love Dobbins as a player. So that's something to monitor moving forward. And then someone that I'm a little disappointed in is Evan Ingram. With Golden Tate being a scratch, I was very excited for uh, Evan Ingram's performance in that Monday night game. And quite frankly, he just looked out of the picture. He really wasn't involved. He just looked slow, which is not what you expect. And for a guy who traditionally we viewed as having such a high ceiling, that that really worries me. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a little worrying to see Engram uh, be used in such a small capacity, you know, given that Tate was injured and given that he offers something in theory that no one else on that team can. will be interesting to see if uh, he wakes up as the year moves along. Just to quickly touch on the receivers, um, bold strategy to start Chase Claypool. He had a really nice uh, catch on the uh, the sidelines, if I can recall, but didn't put up too much besides that. And then Tyler Lockett, I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league, put up a very respectable 8-for-92 stat line. So no complaints there. And just, again, nothing to complain about on defense. Um, Rashawn Evans was a near non-factor. Hindsight, he could have started Micah Kaiser, but hindsight's 20-20. And then Nazir Adderley did not record any stats for the Chargers again he could have started Kenny Vaccaro who I think would have been a safer play but it was a great performance from uh Kevin Byard putting up eight tackles pass deflection and that big force fumble and yeah um there's a lot to like here on the the Sharks they uh they impressed a little bit even though they you know ultimately lost there's definitely some intriguing pieces going forward yeah absolutely and similar to the Duckies I really like this defensive line um I know Lawrence and Ford didn't put up a lot of numbers but obviously they're good players and chase young and that washington front seven just looked absolutely dominant so that should feel really good especially after investing a first round pick into him looking even on his bench you saw christian wilkins put up 12 and a half simmons put up five and a half and lawrence looked good as well putting up seven and a half and kinlaw a first round pick for the uh, niners should do well once he gets more involved in the rotation i just Again, another team that should feel really good about their defensive line, which you can't say about a lot of teams in the league. All right, so now moving on to our fifth matchup between the Spiders and the Wildfire. This was our absolute closest matchup and one that we're still biting our nails waiting on the stat corrections with Cole eking out a win, basically 186 to 184. Um, This was a really fun game to watch or, or fun matchup to watch. Uh, I believe for a lot of people in the league, especially myself, uh, not having to worry about them being in my division. But looking at the winner as of right now, Cole in the wildfire, I want to look right at his running backs because you can't turn a blind eye to the big trade he made looking at Jonathan Taylor. I think that timing was perfect, especially now with the Mac injury, which obviously nobody can predict. But Having Aaron Jones, who we all know is going to have a good year this year, um, we can't say much about his 
future as it's up in the arms. But pairing him with Jonathan Taylor for this season should do really well. And then Joe Mixon, again, it's hard to have a really good running back fantasy-wise on a bad team with a bad offensive line and having Gio Bernard take a lot of the receiving work, even though Mixon's a good runner. So having Taylor to cover up for that, I that was a great deal for Cole. And uh, touching on Joe Mixon, I did you know, kind of rag on him in that power rankings pod about the hype's always there, but the production is a little lacking. And at least through one week, it seems like that is kind of the case. Um, it is alarming to see how much Giovanni Bernard was involved, but we'll see going forward if Joe Mixon can get himself a little bit more work in the receiving game because he did have 19 uh, rushes, which is definitely solid. Wide receiver is an interesting position group on this team now as he traded away Keenan Allen, one of his favorite players in the league. Scary Terry put up a, a solid 5 for 61 stat line. And Marquise Brown, you know, he says he you know gained 15 pounds, but it did not look like he lost any of his speed. He was just blazing that Browns defense, just made them look absolutely pathetic as he put up 100 yards in the uh, season opener. And then Odell Beckham. Uh, as of today, when we're recording this, the word on the street is that the Browns are shopping him. He was open for a lot of the throws. Um, I just distinctly remember it was towards the end of the game. It was a deep shot on fourth down. Odell had the touchdown, but Baker just overthrew him. It's very concerning to see that Baker looked as bad as he did. Might just be the week one jitters. I'm not sure, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see if Odell Beckham ends up getting moved here at some point during the uh, the first half of the year. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Odell as well because I believe Cole deserves some praise. I know speaking with him the offseason after Odell's year last year and the Browns as a team, uh, Cole really maintained his level of confidence in Odell after taking him in the first round of our startup. And I like you said, he, he looked good. He got open. And for someone who was a truther for him in the offseason, I don't see Cole panicking over him, which is something that is nice to see because potentially another owner could see this performance and want to move him ASAP, but I don't see Cole doing that, which is going to continue with a really nice four-man receiving core. Um, seeing his starters and then grabbing McLaurin, this having Hill, who could potentially be the wide receiver one any week, um, Brown, really nice, like you said, looking just as fast and getting stronger, and Scary Terry being basically everyone's favorite rookie last year. So I think he has a really nice core here. And then jumping to his defense right away, that's where I look. I It's going to be really nice consistency if his team keeps putting up these numbers. Just looking at the talent and the opportunity, especially Jalen Smith now that Van Der Esch goes down, I think this team could see a really nice performance from his defense every single week. It was a good performance by his defense, but it is you know a hard pill to swallow when you look at that bench and you do see Jerome Baker putting up a 20-point performance on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be interesting to see if Cole forces him into the starting lineup, which means he's either going to have to sit Darius Leonard, all-pro level linebacker, Mario Davis, I uh, believe he was all-pro last year, or Jalen Smith, as you mentioned, with the huge opportunity. Uh, it seems like he has a little bit of a logjam there. And then his defensive line, I kind of ragged on it in that power ranking spot, but at least through one week, those young bucks and Montez Sweat and Brian Burns put up okay production enough to uh squeak out a win over the spiders and yeah this team's looking uh pretty pretty scary through one week i agree and we can't 
even though they took the loss this week, I thought the Spiders looked good as well, the defending champions. Deshaun Watson, obviously, similar to Aaron Rodgers, the team just isn't putting a lot of talent around him, but he still looked really good, I thought. And again, someone who is going to have that rushing upside race his floor. I think it's going to be really nice moving forward still. Um, looking at his running backs, I wasn't impressed. Um, obviously, outside of Derrick Henry, who I was actually really happy was getting some uh, receiving work with the screens, and he looked really good out in open field. But Mark Ingram, again, the game script was just really bad for him, but he wasn't efficient with what he got, which is not what we're used to. Um, Todd Gurley, it was nice seeing him get some goal line work, but again, wasn't efficient either. Maybe three, was that three and a half yards, a little over per carry, which could be worse. And then Kenyon Drake, I was expecting a lot more, to be honest with you. But again, it is San Francisco's defense, so it's hard to criticize him too much. I'd like to see him against some more average defenses and then give my judgment. But overall, I think the team's still looking really good. And if they can continue putting up just consistent numbers, he's going to be a contender for sure. It certainly had to hurt watching that Sunday night game, seeing that big Michael Gallup uh, play get called back for pass interference. Um, bit of a bogus penalty, if you ask me. And just to rub some salt in the wound, since Jason loved doing that, you know, on and off this week, uh, especially on Sunday, you know, would have won the game if he didn't have that happen or if he started Russell Cage. But his defense put up okay performances, no real stalwarts to talk about. I mean, Bobby Wagner. Did have two pass breakups, and Force Buckner looked pretty solid in his debut for the team. So, so yeah, it he did pick up the one win as he did come in fifth for scoring on the week. But I'm sure that he would. Uh, he's gonna be praying for the stat corrections over these next 48 hours. And just one last thing before we move on, uh, it's kind of talking about both teams. We didn't really touch on the. Eagles tight ends here and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Goddard being on the wildfire. With the receivers being injured and the offensive line looking like they should be in D2, it, it was just absolutely terrible. But I think Wentz is going to utilize these tight ends potentially more than he ever has, which is crazy to think about. I know Ertz only got three catches, but to be fair, the Eagles are really trying to push the ball downfield in the second half because they had to keep up with the pace. Ertz is going to do really well. Um, again, similar to Hunter Henry working in that middle of the field. And so he could see a lot of usage moving forward. But Dallas Goddard, man, especially in that first half, he just looked so much better than every any other weapon that the Eagles had on the field. And especially once Sanders comes comes back and teams have to respect the running game from Philly, I think that's going to open up the play-action game, and that's where, again, both Goddard and Ertz are going to shine. Wrapping us up in this week one review, we've got the Honolulu High Tide picking up the win over myself, the San Diego Paladins, and a score of 162.5 to 145.74. Sorry with you, Joey. I just want to get my team out of the way. Um, this just has to simply start with the, the, the pitiful trio of options I had at quarterback this week. None of them had good matchups, and after watching this week, none of them had good uh, performances. You know, none of them did anything to inspire me long term. Um, Baker looked bad. Darnold did not look horrible, but he didn't do anything particularly special. 
and then Ryan Fitzpatrick. I fooled myself into hoping for that early season Fitz magic, and he rewarded me with a one point performance. Um, pretty pretty abysmal overall at that position group. And moving on to the next one, obviously in the power rankings video, I was very hype on your running back specifically, and I feel like I deserve to address it, or I need to defend myself at least. Um, CH on Thursday, he looked good, really good, and obviously he was involved a lot, and he wasn't even used in the passing game, which where in college and leading up to the season, everyone was praising him for his potential. So seeing that basically 20-point performance, that's not even a ceiling, which is crazy to think about. In a game where they scored 34 points and were winning most of the time, I think that's going to be very a similar game script moving forward. And if this is what we expect from CEH in those games, that could be really nice. And then going along with the game script agenda, uh, this sucked for Nick Chubb. There's no other way to put it. He ran 10 times for 60 yards. That's very efficient. He, he looked good when he did run it. Um, obviously, he did lose the one fumble, but that's hard to project. But overall, he looked good just in a bad game. And so I'm not too worried about him right now. Again, I really need to see this uh, Browns offense against a more average defense and with less jitters out of Baker, as you said. And then Sanders' hamstring injury obviously is not ideal. And honestly, I'm glad um, that they didn't start him just because you never want to see any player play at not 100%. And then moving right into your receivers, you know what? I'm going to let you address it. You take it away. Well, I'm going to start with the positive. You know, DeAndre Hopkins looked really good in uh, Arizona for his uh, season debut. You know, put up 14 catches for a buck 51. The concern was that. There's no way DeAndre Hopkins is going to get the same target percentage that he got in Houston. Well, he absolutely dominated the uh, the targets in week one. And I don't think he's going to dominate quite that hard the whole year, but it was definitely encouraging to see, especially against you know a very good 49er defense that Nuke was so involved. Now that I got the positive out of the way, um, I don't know who to start with. Uh, I mean, Allen Robinson looks good, but he is now pissed off at the Bears and is potentially going to get traded. That's not good. Um, Tyler Boyd, I thought was going to be a really safe play as Joe Burrow loved the slot in college, but he didn't really look uh, Boyd's way too often, especially in the first half. I mean, he came down with a couple catches on one drive in particular, but ended with a pretty, pretty paltry four for 33 stat line. And then Michael Thomas, uh, he wasn't involved. And then he, he nearly had his ankle broken. I actually kind of gasped when I saw it because I thought that it, you know, broke, but he was able to avoid it. Uh, I think it was a high ankle sprain, which is not good. That's going to sideline him for several weeks. Um, and I don't know how involved he's, or, you know, how healthy he's going to be even when he does come back. So uh, definitely very uh, concerning given that receiver was the strong suit. I mean, that and running back on my team, but definitely a not great week for the, uh, the Paladins receiving core. Yep. And then just two last points for me on your team, uh, Mark Andrews. He looked great. Um, I don't see any regression coming, especially in terms of his touchdowns. He is the red zone target. Um, that's going to look really good. And then your linebackers performed really well, and I don't see that changing at all. Um, I think your secondary underperformed. Um, I expect them to do better in upcoming weeks, uh, especially Keanu Neal. And then looking at your defensive line, 0.5 points from Ed Oliver isn't ideal. 
but overall they performed pretty well looking at Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. So I think your defense underperformed this week overall as a whole. And so that should be somewhere where you expect to see more points moving forward, which is nice. Yeah, I think this was the you know the worst case scenario for my team, um, which is a lot better than the worst case last year when I think I only put up like 111 points in one week. So this I was still relatively in the game, even though I had a lot of negatives in my favor. The Ed Oliver pick was admittedly me trying to be you know cheeky and going after that suspect Jetso line that backfired pretty badly. As did uh, the start of Tre'Davious White. I was hoping he'd you know get a pick six on Sam Darnold. Didn't happen, but yeah, definitely not an ideal opening uh, performance by my roster. And then just like uh, you mentioned in your preview, we're going to lead into a nice Joey transition. Talk about not ideal. Let's look at the high ties running backs. Could you imagine the sentence calling Rojo your RB1? Uh, you know the answer to that for me. Oh, I do. But man, this... This past week was absolutely terrible for this running back core. And I actually really, I, I liked Rojo's opportunity, which I talked about in the power rankings. And he put up mediocre numbers, uh, not very efficient. But if that's the positive for a core that started four running backs, that's yikes, man. Bell's injured, didn't look good at all. Like I said earlier, when I was talking about Benny Snell, James Conner looked horrible he couldn't get anything going inside outside nothing he just got absolutely outclassed and then Devin Singletary just looked bad uh, Zach Moss just outperformed him plain and simple and that was against the Jets can it get better so moving forward can you say there's nowhere to go but up or is this something you should expect from these four yeah it's uh it's gonna be alarming you know looking at this this position group, you know, Trent with the absolute uh, galaxy brain play of holding on to Kalen Balazs as he knew that he was going to be the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell. I think the one that I'm most worried about is actually Devin Singletary. Again, neither running back looked very good to start the year, and I don't know how that's going to shake out, but it was definitely kind of alarming to see the, uh, you know, the, the veteran, quote unquote, in his second year uh, looking as bad as the rookie. So definitely going to have to hope for, for better days for that running back core. Moving into the receiving group, great, great performances. DK Metcalf didn't catch the ball a ton, but he made the most of it as he nearly put up 100 yards on just four catches. Chris Godwin with a little bit of a quiet game, but still put up six for 79, nothing to complain about. And then Devontae Adams absolutely uh, besmirched the, uh, the Packers secondary, just Shacked in a fool on him, you know, 14 for 156 and two touchdowns leading to a 34.6 point total. So nothing negative to talk about there. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to move on to his defense. And this is something where in the offseason, I was honestly questioning. I don't have the knowledge in terms of the hit rate when having two linebackers from the same team. And that's something that I've questioned as well, having TJ Watt and uh, Devin Bush. It's something that scares me personally, um, knowing that I'm starting both of them as one could have a big week and the other couldn't. But looking at this roster, Dante David and Devin White both perform super well, and they're just really good players. And maybe that's the answer is it doesn't matter if you're starting the same or the players from the same team, if they're that good, which I give credit here to uh, Trent. Well done uh, getting both of them and not being afraid to start both. Yeah, that was the question that I uh, 
brought up in that preview pod on Thursday was how are these two linebackers going to coexist in the starting lineup? And he actually started Shaq Barrett as well. So his entire linebacking core was was all bucks. And it, at least for one week, it paid off for him. Um, the rest of his defense put up good enough production, obviously, to beat me. Didn't take a whole lot, though. Uh, you would like to see better performances out of Carlos Dunlap, uh, given that he's you know one of the better pass rushers in the league. Kind of disappointing uh, opener for him. And then one player who we did not talk about, Blake Jarwin, was a guy who Trent was pretty high on coming into this year, and he suffered a torn ACL, and he's going to be out for the rest of the year. He actually seems okay at the moment at backup tight end, though. Greg Olson had four catches and did pick up a touchdown. Going to be something to watch if uh, he gets more involved as the weeks go on, as this was his uh, debut for the Seahawks. And then... We talked about Gronk not looking very good. O.J. Howard was kind of the beneficiary of that as he went four for 36 and then had that nice little touchdown on the uh, the goal line. So definitely not in the worst of situations. Um, would have been a lot worse last year when he uh, had to rely on uh, Trey Burton, I think it was. Definitely in okay hands at the moment for Trent. Yeah, and one last point to wrap up. Looking for the outlook moving forward for this team, I'm just a little scared how much this roster relies on his wide receivers, the three good ones in Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and DK. Um, You look at his bench receivers, and man, I don't get a lot of confidence. Um, Hamler, you could see putting up five points, six points. Um, Hardman, it's going to be hit or miss, um, extremely hit or miss. Alshon, they really need him back but they're not going to rush him at all. Um, and again, with such a bad offensive line, that limits his ceiling. whole roster just relies so hard on these wide receivers. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm so curious to see if moving forward, if they have a down week, if Devontae Adams doesn't put up more than 20, is he going to be able to consistently compete in games? The one nice thing though for the high tide is that none of those, you know, three stud receivers Share a bye week is Adams is week five, Metcalf's week six, and Godwin's week 13. So at least he can always rely on having two of them barring injury. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely agree with you on the uh, the concerns about the lack of depth overall. All right, and this podcast went a little longer than anticipated, so I just want to wrap it up with one question for both of us. Um, if you can pick out one team that you're most excited for moving forward based on week one performances and one team that you think is going to continue underperforming based on week one, who would those teams be? Sorry to throw you on the spot, but I think this could be interesting. Um, If I'm giving a quick hitting answer, I think the team that surprised me the most would be the, the retrievers. I mean, I had mentioned on the power rankings pod that I thought this team did a lot to set themselves up. And while you know, he didn't score in that upper half of the league. He did pick up the head-to-head victory and was only a point short of getting that 2-0 start. I think next week when he has a little bit of a... He has several days to work out his secondary woes with the, the inactive Adoree Jackson, maybe starting someone other than Javon Hargreave, maybe picking up another defensive lineman, uh, puts his team in a little bit better of a spot. And... Surrounding that with C-Mac and Travis Kelsey, Big Ben definitely surprised. I think that's that's going to be the team that I'll say that I was, or I'm going to be the most excited for looking, you know, 
forward into the next coming weeks. And then a team that I'm concerned about going forward, I guess it'd have to be the Grovers. I think Mac was a nice little security blanket um, in the event that Barkley or Elliott got hurt. But now that Mac is gone, he really doesn't have anything. I mean, Tevin Coleman is there, and he wasn't involved a ton this week due to the uh, sickle cell street. But he's not going to be a featured back in San Francisco. And so if he suffers an injury at one of those running back positions, I think Dylan is in a lot of trouble. So it's going to be interesting to see if he elects to make a move prior to uh, listening to this pod or not. All right, and my turn to answer. I'm going to start with the team I look forward the most to as well, and that's going to be the Magicians. This is a team that we thought a lot of us had in the upper half of our rankings, if not all of us. So we knew it was going to be good, but I don't think I realized how high of a ceiling this team actually had. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I don't see Carson being that consistent, but I he did show what his ceiling is. And if he if Cook and Jacobs continue to put up these numbers, this team's really scary. I disrespected uh, Diggs. I always disrespect Landry, and I just I really like this team moving forward. So that's one team that I like, and then one team that I'm a little scared about is the Duckies. Um, Dan's been a little upset, upset with me this past week, calling me his biggest hater, but I'm just going to have to keep continuing. I just, if specifically looking, you traded away for Leonard Fournette and Keenan Allen. Fournette, I don't know if it is just because he was there so little. Um, potentially, he could get more involved moving forward, but again, he got five carries and had five yards. Wasn't efficient at all. And then Keenan Allen, with Tyrod Taylor, I. Allen's never going to hit his ceiling that he had with Rivers. It's just not going to happen, especially if you can't do it against the Bengals. I don't know who you're going to do it against. So that scares me. Justin Jefferson, I like the talent. So when you get outperformed by Olavisi Johnson, that's scary for Justin Jefferson. And I know we said traditionally that especially uh, receivers when they're rookies don't normally get acclimated right away, and especially in this COVID season. but Talent has to win at some point. And in a shootout where they combined to score 77, you would think Jefferson would have more than two catches. So it scares me. Cup, there was a lot of offseason people jumping off his corner because of the 12 uh, personnel that the Rams ran late last year. And from what we saw in week one, it's continuing. I just, Cup scares me as well and then Shepard again I talked about with Engram having Tate out this was a nice opportunity Shepard didn't capitalize either this was the Slayton show in terms of offense he made the big plays and Shepard really was boring to be quite honest with you he got a lot of the underneath work on like third and short second and short I just I don't know man for trading away so many picks and getting in return two older guys that have their ceilings really limited right now. The duckies scare me. Yeah, no, they were another team that I was considering before uh, going with the Grovers. So I don't have any arguments there. It was exciting to have football back and can't wait to lose a lot more this season. Sounds like you and me both. All right. We'll be uh, back with you guys next week and good luck. Later nerds.